Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 16 Questions Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's just a great day to be great. It's a great day to talk ball with two of my favorite guys. You already know the squad. Dwayne, The Rock, McFarlane, and Chris Allen. We want a new nickname, man. So what do you want me to call you, Chris? Because every time I try, you come at me. I don't know, man. It's probably going to be like the... I, I got nothing at, the, at this point. I'm <laughs> battling through like the last bits of the flu right now. So this is my like Michael Jordan flu game at like at, at this point. But nah, man, I'm just happy to come and talk ball. You can call me whatever you want right now. I'm in such a drug-induced haze. It doesn't matter. I hope your flu game turns out just a little bit better than Jalen Hurts's did, Chris. But we yeah. appreciate you, you know, again, you know, just bringing the mindset to life of being a hurt, not injured. Mr. McFarlane, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, you know, been battling through some uh, sickness, but I don't want to complain. Chris has got the freaking flu. Like, I just, I don't know what I had. I drank some whiskey last night, though. I'm feeling better. Hard it. So, uh, ready to go. And, uh, you know, talk some ball. We're, we're, we've got football Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, somewhere in there. We've got Christmas mixed in. Like, it's a, it's a great weekend to be great, Ian. One in doubt, drink whiskey and watch some freaking football. That's how we do it here in America. And with that, guys, let's talk some ball. Starting off, question number one, who are the must-start parties from this Ravens and 49ers matchup? Spoiler, there's a lot of them, mostly on the San Francisco side. So I don't plan on telling you guys exactly the intricacies of why you should be starting Lamar Jackson this week because Lamar, Purdy, CMC, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle should again be in far more lineups than not. Dwayne, things start getting interesting, though, on the Ravens side of the football obviously not an easy matchup but with some of the injuries we've had pop up you know in the last few weeks we have had both the passing game and now the backfield condensed down to fewer parties so what do you make of Gus the bus Edwards here with Keaton Mitchell sadly the latest running back to have a season ending the injury yeah I actually like Gus Edwards I mean I'm not crazy about the matchup to your point I mean the 49ers have been pretty good only giving up 89.4 yards per contest on the ground 0.57 touchdowns per game. So pretty salty, but we just saw James Conner get 17.9 fantasy points against them last weekend and a very similar role to what we're hoping to see Gus Edwards in this weekend. So I think when you look at Gus Edwards and you go back and look at the game log before Keaton Mitchell really became involved, this is a guy that we could typically see between 50 and 60% of the rushing attempts. Yes, Justice Hill is going to get out there, take some of those passing down reps, but I don't think Melvin Gordon is much of a threat, even in the two games earlier in the season when Gordon was active. He just didn't do a lot. Maybe he snipes a carry or two, but I think we're probably good for 10 to 14 rushing attempts and a guy that's third in the NFL and carries inside the five-yard line. So I still like his chances of being able to punch one in. Obviously, if the Ravens get hot and this turns into a shootout, because we do have two offenses that could make that happen, then you could have the upside of a multi-touchdown game. So I think having Keaton Mitchell out is the key. I had really soured on Gus Edwards over the last few weeks with Mitchell in the role he was in. But now I think we're pretty much a lock to see somewhere around 15 total opportunities per game. And that's enough to, you know, for me, I don't know where you guys have got him. I've got him as running back 28. So that's a high end running back three. If, if, if we didn't have this tougher matchup, he would be a low end running back two. but still acknowledging the fact that he's very viable as a flex play. 
I'm right there with you, Dwayne. RB29 for me, ahead of guys that we have lower in the fantasy lab consensus ranks, like Jalen Warren, Jerome Ford, Najee Harris, Deontay Foreman, among others. So, yeah, he is touchdown dependent, but you know what? He scores a lot of touchdowns, had a stretch of five games where he found the end zone nine separate times and was putting up some truly bonkers numbers until Keaton Mitchell started to really come on. So, I did want to try to quantify who are the NFL's most touchdown dependent backs. And Chris, only one running back in the NFL has had a higher percentage of the PPR production come from purely touchdowns. Gus Edwards at 41%. Only one running back is higher. Can you guess who? Uh, from just touchdowns? Just touchdowns. I can't think of anybody else. Dwayne? Oh, oh. Mostert? Yep, Raheem Mostert. Yeah. There you go, yeah. Chris. Good freaking yeah. call, man. Uh, rest of the top five is Devin HN, Dave Montgomery, which makes a lot of sense, and then Christian McCaffrey because he's just scored so many freaking touchdowns that he finds himself. I didn't get list. a chance, Ian. You had a good tweet on that. I didn't get a chance to read yet, like how you couched that in your article. What is your thought on players like that? Because for me, it really, the role is what matters. Like if they're in a good offense yeah. and they get the carries inside the five and they score a lot of touchdowns, I'm like, great. Like they care. should. Yeah. That's their role. That's their offense. But there are guys, and I think HN is one where you could argue a little more. Now, we still love him because of the efficiency and stuff, but we knew that the touchdowns eventually had to come back to earth with the role that Mostert plays and the fact that HN is so dependent on the long touchdown. So I don't know what your take is on guys that rely so much on touchdowns. I think it depends. I mean, it's one of those things where – I don't think it's a coincidence that the guys we see relying on touchdowns aren't really good offenses and the guys not in really good offenses don't rely on touchdowns because they don't have the chance to score many touchdowns out there. So it is one of those things where it's like, you know, is this really the chicken or the egg situation going on? I will say, Dwayne, as much as I have been, I think, a little more souring on HN than you throughout the whole process, like what you said, I think, last Sunday night about just setting the ranks and trying to look at these guys like best case upsides. And hey, guess what? Not many players out there can go zero to 100 as quick as HN and all of a sudden find those 80 yard touchdowns. So end the day, I think all five of those guys with Gus being, you know, to the lesser extent, deserve to be in far, far, far more fancy lineups than not. Chris, last thing here is going to be about this Ravens passing attack. And thanks to Dwayne's, you know, handy dandy utilization tool over at Fantasy Life, I was able to put in just Zay Flowers, OBJ, Rashad Bateman, and even Isaiah Likely now in this, I think, three-game stretch that we have not had at Mark Andrews. And really, Chris, it's been a four-way committee almost, man. Not committee, but just all four of these guys are within three total targets of each other. Obviously, Zay, you know, and OBJ have made more out of the opportunities than Bateman. But don't look now. It's actually been Isaiah likely as the most productive guy. So talk about where you think likely kind of falls in the tight end one landscape, Chris, and what wide receiver, if any, you feel confidence firing up against the 49ers. I think for likely, just given the fact that we even heard Lamar Jackson talking about like his connection starting to grow, that rapport uh, with likely starting to grow after Mark Andrews went down being like kind of the, and we've seen that like through the data and also like what we seen on the field, especially last week. I mean, my goodness. I mean, like seeing likely like pretty much like take over that game from a pass game perspective. I think that's where he at least falls into, at least for me, like into that low end, like tight end one, like high end, like tight end two, like type range, just because as you mentioned, if you do have to contend with Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, I mean, even Rashad Bateman popping up for a few targets this past week. I mean, it does become a bit more convoluted in a sense uh, as uh, if we want to try and rely on him for week to week. Uh, pass game volume, especially in week 16, where we know that those fantasy points are coming at a premium. So I do like Isaiah Likely this week 
Uh, but if I had to pick one of the wide receivers, I'm still leaning back like towards uh, t- uh, I want to go back towards like Zay Flowers in this matchup, just because we do know in this game, we know that uh, I mean, the 49ers are going to press them into more of a pass first like type of a type of approach. And if there is going to be one of those wide receivers that he's going to have to lean on to create explosives downfield to keep up with him, Zay Flowers has been that guy in the past. And I know that uh, Beckham has been the one to kind of rip off some of those like slants for big gains and all of that. But if there was one guy I wanted to think that in this matchup could squeak by for like a decent game, like down the field, I think it would be Flowers. And we've seen that in the past. Isaiah likely consensus top 10 tight end for us. Dwayne has him tight end 10. I have him tight end eight. We both have him ahead of guys like Cole Komet, Dallas Goddard, Taysom Hill, Dalton Schultz, among others. Dwayne, I'm a Chris here where I do lean towards Zay Flowers, but I do think OBJ has squeezed that gap here in recent weeks. Have you picked up on anything here in terms of the man zone tendencies? I know it's been a smaller sample size, you know, just with having these guys healthy and no Mark Andrews, but any leans here for this matchup specific, you know, spot? No, and and the 49ers are kind of middle of the road. They do play more zone than they do than they do man. And so Everyone typically knows. what we see in those situations is things just spread out across uh more of the targets, which is really the way the Ravens have played it. So I think you'll honestly see Lamar Jackson just drop back and he's gonna have his route concept on whichever side of the field he's starting with, and uh he's just gonna go with the guy that the read tells him to. And so I think it's really hard to pin down across this. I think Chris really nailed it. It's 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 tough to depend on any one of these guys like every week, but on any given week, any one of them could blow up and have a really big game because we've got a quality offense. Um, But nobody just absolutely hogging things against man or zone right now. Pretty spread out. Safe Flowers consensus wide receiver 28 OBJ's down there at 37. So yeah, not guys you absolutely need to start. Although I imagine plenty of you will be out there wishing for, you know, a Monday nightmare cold to help get those fantasy squads to the championship let's talk about the other best game of week 16 question number two fellas what is the biggest storyline to watch for in cowboys dolphins i'm gonna throw my two cents in first which is is this dolphins defense for real because don't look now but they have actually been number one in epa allowed per play ever since getting jalen ramsey back in week eight so hey that's not exactly a small sample size at this point that said when you start looking a little bit closer at that schedule and Dwayne, i know as you know people that have rode that dolphins defense to a lot of fantasy success in recent weeks it has been an absolute cakewalk like okay we did have the toughish matchup against the chiefs in you know london or whatever but after that guys miami has faced the patriots the raiders the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, and the Jets again during this span. So, hey, they perform well against the Chiefs, but we're really going to find out if Jalen Ramsey and company can be the same dominant force against a truly elite offense in the Dallas Cowboys. So that's what I'm looking out for. But Dwayne, resident Cowboys fan here, what are you looking for? Well, I love that call. Uh, Bradley Chubb, man, like a guy that I kind of gotten to the point where I was like, man, is this just an overrated guy for where he was taken in the NFL draft when he went to the Broncos in the first round. And even last year, after he got traded to the dolphins, we didn't see a ton, but man, this year, Bradley Chubb, Christian Wilkins, they unfortunately lost Jalen Phillips a few weeks back to the ACL on that black Friday game, but it's a, they've got a good pass rush. And I will say this, one of the things Dak's been very good at since his really kind of a resurrection, if you will, after the Texas coast talk over the first five games, (laughs) Dak's been good at buying time. Now he still holds the ball too, too long and he'll take a sack. But he's also been really good at stepping up the pocket, getting escaping to the right or the left, just sliding out, finding someone downfield and accurately making the throw. So I think it'll be interesting to see if Dak can continue that. But my biggest question really here 
you know, Ian is how can the Cowboys defense really hope to hold up? We know they're good. We know they can create uh, chaos. They can create the turnovers, but the Dolphins pose a really challenging problem because they can run the ball. And if, if you don't really load up to stop the run, we've seen the Cowboys can just get blown off the football. I haven't seen the latest on Jonathan Hankins. It's just crazy to me that the entire <laughs> defensive game plan for the Cowboys now wrote, revolves around Jonathan Hankins. Um, but it's the, it's the fact, like he's the beef in the middle. And if you leave a light box for the Dolphins, which, which they don't invite a ton, as much as they throw, they still play a lot of heavy sets, condensed uh, formations, things like that. It could be a challenge for the Cowboys because they could quickly find themselves in in a scenario where if they don't know if it's run or pass and just either one of them could kill you because we know Mostert has the home run speed. Obviously, HN has home run on top of home run speed. And if you do load up and you play man like the Cowboys do, they play the second most man coverage in the NFL right now. Oh, my gosh. Like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle singled up one on one outside. And when we've seen the Cowboys corners like they're great, their aggressiveness, it's like a catch 22. It can come through and win a game for you, but it can also cost you a game. Deron Bland, we saw it just a couple of weeks back. The Cowboys managed to squeak out a win, but DK Metcalf went off against this yeah. guy. So Tyreek Hill, Waddle, probably coming down with a big play. So I, I would like to see if the Cowboys can actually come up with a game plan to stop these guys. I don't think it's going to be the case. Um, you know, on the Cowboys side of the ball real quickly, and I'll pitch it to Chris for his thoughts, but mm -hmm. like, what can they do outside of CeeDee Lamb? We love CeeDee Lamb. It's been great, Ian. Been great, Chris. Motion, slot. I give Mike yep. McCarthy credit. Like, hat tip. You've done nice things to get your centerpiece of your offense, the best player on your team on the offensive side of the ball. You've managed to figure a way out to, you know, revolve your revolve your offense around him, which is, you know, hey, kind of smart. Seems like common sense, but sometimes you got to kind of snap these coaches out of like this weird funk, like what Arthur Smith is in right now. But his uh, entire life. What can they do yeah. outside of that? I know. And we have to throw one thing at Arthur Smith. <laughs> but what happens when someone takes away CD lamb and we saw the bills do that. He still got his targets, but they really limited him. We've had some nice things from Brandon cooks. You know, he'll show a flash. We've had some nice things from Jake Ferguson, but neither one of us, neither one of those guys have shown us that if a team forces the Cowboys to that, they can really rely on them because let's be honest, the run game for the Cowboys right now, it's not a very big factor. Teams would prefer the Cowboys to run the ball all the time. It's not the same Tony Pollard. So that, that would be my big takeaway, not even fantasy, really. It's for the Cowboys. Like, if they want to have any hope in the playoffs, they need another playmaker, and it's got to be Brandon Cooks or Jake Ferguson being able to more consistently provide a weapon that Dak can depend on when Lamb is really getting that double coverage. Just a few injury updates, Chris, before I throw it to you. Speaking of Jonathan Hankins, Michael Gelkin has reported that he will be hard-pressed to play against the Dolphins. So that's not not oh, that's not going to help slow down Raheem. Hey, Mose we drafted a, a really good defensive tackle, Ian, uh, oh out of uh, Michigan. Mozzie, Some of those, right? Oh, oh wait. Gosh. He got like a sack uh, early on in that game where like, you know, Josh just had to hold the ball forever. It wasn't even like a great uh, win. Like I, you know, shout out John Owing over at a PFF does great work on the Cowboys, you know, day in and day out. And that uh, rep must've been more like a combine workout or something. Well, that <laughs> that's the thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm friends with John and I just added him. I was like, Mozzie, like, that's awesome. He got a sack. And then I started yeah. seeing the uh, videos come out of Mozzie getting pushed like 10 yards downfield. And I was like, <laughs> it was oh. not great. Sorry, John. I was not talking about uh, those plays, but love you, John. Chris on the Dolphins side, 
side of the ball. Again, more injuries than not, you know, looking at the Cowboys with Hankins, also have Zach Martin and Tyron Smith not, not practicing. That's problematic. That said, Miami's entire starting offensive line was not able to practice on Wednesday. And I'm not a doctor, but that does not seem ideal. So early reports are saying that Tyreek Hill should be able to, you know, play through the pain of that ankle injury. But that's on this Dolphins, maybe offensive line being able to hold up, Chris. Because to Dwayne's point, like when I look at everything else in this matchup, I do think it's all kind of going towards the Dolphins side. That said, we have seen Micah Parsons and company be more than capable of blowing up a game here and there. Yeah, and I think that's where the, the linchpin behind this offense has been like, can you continue to allow Tua to operate behind that offensive line and then just execute downfield? Because if you give him that time, you know he's going to dice it up regardless of which receiver or receivers out of the two, Waddle and Hill, he has like on the field. And my concern coming into last week was, all right, you know, Hill, Waddle has been banged up in and out of the lineup throughout most of the season. Can he be like their wide receiver one? Like, can he essentially be, let's say, this weekend? You know, Jamar Chase, can T. Higgins essentially take over that role? And Jalen Waddle, oh my gosh. Like, so quick stat. You know that Jalen Waddle had like 89.6% of the team's air yards like last week. That makes like zero sense. 89%. Jesus. Like, it's like, what are we that's, talking that might about? Be. Really? Oh my yes. God. That's like, like that's I don't what, even understand. How did I like, miss this? That's like, <laughs> that's the largest number I've ever seen in my life. Because it was just like, Cedric Wilson, nothing. Durham Smythe, nothing. I mean, like none of the rest of the guys. Like, he really did eighty-five percent. I thought yeah, Chris was like, high. Like, what <laughs> I thought, is, like, I what thought is the happening? cough medicine was gone gone too far, but no. Yeah, I was like, what is going on here? It's like it, that's all that mattered was the fact that Tua could drop back and just throw to Jalen Waddle. And now, like, if he has both of them at his disposal, I mean, the offensive line obviously is going to be an issue. But if Mike McDaniel is going to be in his bag, he knows that he knows the current offensive line injuries. I'm not as concerned. They should be able to work around like most of this offense. And then to Dwayne's point, if the if like Hankins, uh, if the Hankins injury is a problem and also they have quote unquote blueprint on how to get by like the Cowboys pass rush, could they just lean on both Mostert and HN like for this week and then just get by with the victory? And I say yes. So I think the yep. game planning along with the personnel that Tua has at his disposal, I mean, it makes less of an impact for the offensive line for, for this week, at least in my opinion. Great stuff there. And I am going to go ahead and agree with you guys. I got the Dolphins winning 30 to 27 in this one, but hopefully the real winner is just, you know, America and then all of your fantasy football teams. Let's talk about game of the week. Like what was it last yeah. week? It was like the bills Cowboys and that like wound up being just a complete stinker. So like, can we yeah. just get like a good game of the week? Like that's all I, I, hope so. I just want 200 yards and three touchdowns from Tyreek Hill. Is that too much to ask? Yes, I'll take that too. <laughs> and Cooper, Pre- and you know, Ian, Johnson. I know you want it too because we want it for the same reason. Over I know. I was about to say, just let's get Tyreek there. Let's get Cooper Cup there. Deontay Johnson, Devontae Smith. <laughs> uh, I can keep going with this, but Deontay's kicked to the bench, man. JT's jumping in. Sorry, there we go. Government doesn't want you to know that Deontay Johnson has scored in three straight weeks. All I'm saying, all I'm saying. But yeah. guys, question at number three now. Does James Cook suddenly deserve weekly upside RB1 treatment? Dwayne, you do happen to be the resident of utilization here at Fantasy Life. And my God, since they have made that offensive coordinator change, the production at least has been there. RB9, RB12, RB3, and last week's RB2 boom performance. I know you've had some cool comps out there that help show that, yes, you know, we're not exactly getting this 
80, 90% Kyron Williams-esque, you know, workhorse role. But guess what? When you're a player like Cook, who is actually second in the NFL in both explosive rush and receiving rate, just, you know, plays a 10 plus and 15 plus yards per carry and reception. I mean, maybe we don't need more than around 15 touches per game for Cooks to keep on keeping on. Yeah, this is the archetype that we talk about every year. And it feels like, you know, the last couple of years, we've ran a little bad on it, but it's the guy that can catch passes that's hyper, you know, explosive. And you just mentioned those things. But to your point, it's it's all the Joe Brady factor. Um, you know, imagine that a coach coming in and saying, why'd we draft James Cook? Hmm. Oh, because he's a really good mismatch against linebackers and against safeties. And maybe we should target him when he's on the field rather than benching him because he drops one pass. In fact, I'll let the guy drop a ball and then say, you know what? We're going right back to you because we believe in you get a little confidence going. It's kind of funny what can happen here Ian. <laughs> and the targets per route run is what's just absolutely amazing. 31% targets per route run <laughs> since Joe Brady took over the offense. So a third of the time that James cook is on the field in a route, like the ball's going to him and there's nothing the defenses can do about it. You guys saw it last week against the Cowboys who love to run man coverage, don't run man coverage with a linebacker against James Cook. Like, he can actually run a real fade route, like like a wide receiver, and run by your defender and just be sitting there wide open. And who had, who's better at buying time and letting all that develop oh, than Josh Allen? Probably right. nobody in the NFL. So there's just so many things going good for him. And you mentioned it, Ian, talking about the comps. I thought it was a pretty fun trip down memory lane. So what yeah. I did is I went back and I just took the role that James Cook has had over the last four games with Joe Brady, which, by the way, guys, it could be improving. He saw season highs under Brady in week 15. We'll just set that aside, though. I just took the averages. I was like, all right, let's go trip down memory lane. Look at the last 12 years of utilization and efficiency data. And let's see what the comps tell us. And I took out running backs that get carries inside the five-yard line because those are still going to Josh Allen, still going to Latavius Murray. I'm pretty sure watching James Cook, if you just handed it to him, he's probably going to score. But we'll leave that aside. Like, things are going good. We won't, we won't press our luck here. So even once I accounted for that, okay, and I looked at his comps, based on these 12 years, the average finish has been running back 11 with 16.6 fantasy points per game. Obviously, Cook is out kicking the coverage on that right now. 24.1 points per game since Brady took over in a PPR. But this is what's fun. The first comp that popped up was Ryan Matthews. Guys, remember uh, yeah. Tolbert? Mike yeah. Tolbert. The vulture. You know, he looked like a freaking beaver or something out there. You know, popping up out of the pile. You know, he's a little short, stocky dude. Would get the touchdown. Steal it from Five, Matthews. Nine, 240. He had a yeah, year taking uh, Cam Newton's touchdowns, too. It's That's even crazier oh, that's that Cam true, has yeah. his man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yes, you're right, he did. So he did, yeah, he didn't just do it in one place. Uh, so we had the Mike Tolbert experience. That that kept Ryan Matthews from just becoming like a 25-point-per-game guy, but was still in this group. The next one, Fred Jackson. So we have a former Bill, and he was able to do it. And you keep going, Andre Ellington, the ghost Ooh. of Andre Ellington. I drafted wow. Andre Ellington the next the next year far too high. In fantasy drafts. I'm just going to tell you guys that he got injured and it did not keep on keeping on. So I just thought it was pretty interesting to look at some of these names. I'm forgetting one. There was a fourth one. There was there were so many cool ones. Those were just the ones that came out the closest to him. Reggie so Bush. The, yeah, Reggie Bush. Duh, how can Lions. I forget oh, okay. that? That was yeah. Joyke Bell. That was Joyke Bell stealing oh, those, I'm gosh. pretty sure. Um, so yeah, it's a situation where even once you take those things away, as far as scoring the touchdowns inside the five-yard line, there have been running backs that, that have been able to consistently overcome this. To answer your question, Ian, he does deserve to be in the RB1 you know, range of things. I've got him. I upgraded him to low-end running back one in the utilization report this weekend. But we obviously know 
he's got that running back one overall ceiling because of the explosive playmaking. And how many how many running backs right now can we count in the NFL that can run routes like James Cook and have a chance pretty much one time a game to catch a 40 yard touchdown pass, 30 to 40 yard touchdown pass? I, I think it's just Christian McCaffrey. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, so it's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's really good for the situation uh, with James Cook. Obviously, running real hot right now. Um, so he's due to regress some, but I still think he's a running back one, even when that happens. I mean, and just in this spot too, like Chargers six worst defense and PPR points per game allowed in the position. Obviously the Bills seem to be ascending at the right time. And you mentioned it, Dwayne, he's got the perfect fit in Josh Allen, just always being able to buy that extra time. Yes, he will take off and scramble from time to time. But man, when you just look at, you know, quarterbacks who have been the best at not letting pressures turn to sacks, nobody has topped Josh Allen's 10% rate of yep. allowing that to happen. Fun fact, the uh, worst quarterback, Tommy DeVito, all the way up at 40%. Uh, in those situations, uh, can't hey, me. What's what's the opposite of this? Like for that stuff, <laughs> just fucking turn it over. <laughs> oh my goodness, Chris! I'm gonna go, go ahead and start you off with our next question here because I think we're all in agreement that James Cook, our consensus RB three, is someone you should continue to trust. So the bigger question, Chris, is number four here: Is Calvin Ridley a legit wide receiver one in this smash spot? Now, sadly, I am not a doctor, but it looks like Trevor Lawrence will not be suiting up this week. He did not manage to practice on Wednesday or Thursday. So this would be a brand new thing with the protocol where you don't practice either of the first two days to start the week. And then you still manage to get out there. I guess never say never. I mean, ever since Purdy got it, it does seem to be now this weekly, you know, Purdy did it what, uh, getting hurt on a Monday. I mean, yeah. yeah. I thought he self-reported the next day. Yeah. After Sunday night. TJ yeah, Watts so seemingly got a concussion on the field and I gave him smelling salts and a dark visor. And he just said, I'm good now. Like who, I, I have no idea what's going on. Michael Pittman's practicing in full after I just thought, you know, I, I know. I mean, took the, the nasty field, man. scene before. Yeah. I would have hey, Again, how did he get to full? That's the quickest I've seen a guy at full. I don't know. I don't know. After and a concussion. So yeah. Hey, I'm with you. I, I do think we have to lean towards him being out. I've not adjusted the ranks yet, but yeah. I've got it on a little sticky note sitting in front of me to do before the night's over. Yeah. Hey, if the doctors say Pittman's good and he's good, then yeah, go on and play. I'm not trying to say I know more than doctors, but just aesthetically, man, that looks so bad having this dude come back the first week after. But regardless, Chris, let's go ahead and assume for right now that Trevor Lawrence is not active and we'll have to deal with the CJ Bethard experience. It's a smash spot otherwise against a Buccaneers defense that was without number one cornerback Carlton Davis last week. And let's face it, even when they did have Carlton Davis, you know, this was still one of the league's worst defenses in terms of defending the pass. So thoughts on what to make of Ridley, Chris, with or without Trevor Lawrence under center? Well, I think the easiest thing to look at outside of the situation is just how how uh, productive the other wide receivers have been that have faced uh, this Tampa Bay like uh, defense over the past like five or six weeks. Jaden Reed last week, over 17 fantasy points. Drake London, 29 fantasy points after he crossed the century mark again a couple weeks ago. Jonathan Mingo, a few weeks ago, like actually was fairly decent from a PPR standpoint, around 12. Michael Pittman, like bust him for over 20 points. Brandon Ayuk torched him for over 26. And then Tank Dell, may he rest in peace, almost 30 fantasy points uh, when, the, uh, when the Texans played against the Bucs. I mean, so these are like wide receivers that like range from the guys that we hold in high regard in that wide receiver one, like top 12-ish, like type of uh, like type of archetype. And also guys that, I mean, from Mingo to like even down to Drake London, I mean, that's that's where like the range has been of guys that have been able to completely get by on this on this Bucks defense. So now if I'm seeing Calvin Ridley, 
Yes, he might be tied or tethered to uh, CJ Beathard this weekend, but we saw at least his uh, like his slot rate has started to tick up a bit more now with Christian Kirk out. He can get more on those advantageous matchups. This, at least from a volume perspective, especially with Zay Jones also dealing with a hamstring yeah. injury. I think at least from a volume standpoint, he should be a guy that will be in lineups. But again, it's the whole like, you know, you have to temper expectations just based off of the quarterback that he's playing with. Wayne, we both have Calvin really ranked as a wide receiver 15 this week. I think we probably had a similar thought process when doing it, where it's like, okay, as Chris said, no Zay Jones. We now have Ridley clearly the number one in this offense. Evan Ingram will get his, but at least, you know, yeah. number one wide receiver. We have him, you know, alongside guys or close to guys like Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, Devontae Adams, fellow talented number ones in offenses with varying, you know, degrees of quarterbacks. And I think we were willing to give Ridley maybe the nudge ahead of those guys because of Trevor. Lawrence in that matchup but if we go from Lawrence to CJ Bethard I mean is that going to cause you to drop him more so into this kind of wide receiver three range of guys like Hopkins you know Cortland Sutton Drake London where yeah not quite as assured about the situation under center anymore I wouldn't go as far as Drake London but somewhere he's going to take a little bit of a hit I mean I was kind of baking this I was kind of baking this in but not fully because I just wasn't 100% sure on Lawrence so Yes, yeah, half baked for sure. Yeah. But wide receiver 16, like I could see dropping him down to like 19, 20. It, it obviously hurts because Trevor Lawrence has been hot like for the last several games. If you look at Lawrence, like first part of the season, we weren't very happy, right? In fact, like I said some negative things about Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, said, look, I just don't think he's probably going to be a superstar NFL quarterback. As soon as I said that, he saw that, uh, you know, in the flagship show. And, you know, he got pissed off. His mom called and told him about it. And since then, 281 yards passing per game and 1.8 touchdowns per game. Mm. Like before that, 236. So like the environment for Ridley has drastically evolved. He went from being in an offense we hoped could throw for 240 yards in a game and you had to spread the ball across three to four guys. Now we're down to two in an offense that can throw for 300 yards per game. But if we don't have Lawrence, we're kind of back to that probably hoping for 230 yards. But I think the advantage is at least now it's only Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley. Um, so uh, we got Parker Washington and Jamal Agnew out here, but they're, they're not high end target earners. It's mostly going to go to Ridley and Ingram. So it will be a little bit of a downgrade. I'm not going to move him that far because I had it. I did have it kind of priced in, but the ceiling comes down. The ceiling definitely comes down because with, you know, Lawrence doing what he's been doing, you had a chance of Ridley going out there and popping off for 150 and two touchdowns. Like you don't have that now with CJ Beathard. I think I would go ahead of London as well. When we get to Garrett Wilson, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's where it gets tough. And, you know, if you kind of want to go with either guy there, I'm not going to overly disagree with you. But, man, I hope T-Law can get out there because the amount of opportunity is just going to be insane if he can get it. I mean, over the past two weeks since we have lost Christian Kirk and now Zay Jones, but, I mean, Zay Jones is playing the top three wide receivers in just total air yards, DeAndre Hopkins, Zay Jones, and Calvin Ridley. So when you remove the second guy <laughs> from that list and now we have Ridley sitting there, should have all the opportunity. Sadly, we'll see if, you know, those air yards become realized or if we'll just be looking at another version of Chris Olave. This is the game now, I wanted to yeah, stack, like, in DFS. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, like, a lot of people are going to want to play the Cowboys and, you know, the Dolphins. Well, that'll be on Monday, so that one won't even count. But you've got the Lions, you know, and the Vikings. And that's a, that one's, like, really pricey to try and fit. Boys, I started Dolphins messing Sunday. around with it. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Cowboys oh, yeah. Dolphins. No, my bad. Why am I thinking You're of Monday? Thinking yeah, so, yeah, the Cowboys are on it as well. So people are going to want to play that, that game. And those are really – it's expensive to make those work. 
But you could go with a core stack of Ridley at 6,300, Chris Godwin at 6,200. You could play either Trevor Lawrence. I think he's 6,900. You've got Joe Flacco, or not Joe Flacco, uh, Baker sitting down there yeah. at 6K. You could maybe pivot up to Mike Evans. He's not too expensive. But my thought was like, all right, stack that game and then like just add some other pieces in around it. Maybe you have one player from that Dolphins Cowboy game or one player, you know, from uh, you know, the the Lions and the Vikings. The Lions and Vikings, like you can do because you can get Ty, you can get Ty Chandler at like 5,600. And then you could yeah. come back, you know, with like a Laporta, something like that. Even JMO, like I don't mind. So I know we're not trying to turn this into a DFS show but my point being I, I really liked the idea of if we had trevor lawrence i could stack this game i don't feel quite as confident though if it's going to be cj bethard about us getting the fireworks we want all around yeah i mean i don't know join dfs is pretty awesome especially when you do it over with DraftKings. gotta love our friends over there because guys the countdown to christmas has begun and fantasy life is teaming up with DraftKings to give you a gift that i know will put you in the holiday spirit right now new customers who download the DraftKings app and use the promo code questions and bet just five dollars will get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly that's five dollars for 150 dollars instantly it's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket download the DraftKings app and sign up using the promo code questions. The crown is yours. If you're already signed up for DraftKings, you can get a no sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same game parlay bet doesn't hit. Max reward limit supply. And fan of multiple teams and want to get and want to bet on them all, you can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. And guys, if sports betting is not yet available in your state, sorry, but not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use our promo code questions and again, bet just $5. We'll get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code questions only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Love you, DraftKings, and love you, Joe Flacco. Guys, didn't think I'd be saying that in the year 2023, but here we are, and here we are on question number five. What should we make of this Joe Flacco-led Browns passing attack? Dwayne, I do think a little bit of the production, the fact the Browns have managed to win these you know, last two games, thanks in large part to Darnell Mooney deciding he didn't want to catch that Hail Mary, but that's neither here nor there. I think people are maybe looking a bit too much at the box score and seeing Flacco clearing 300 yards and just, you know, getting off their jokes about, my God, Flacco's better than Watts and all this going on. Yes, he's got a ton of volume and that's been great for the box score, but he does have a worse EPA per drop back than a guy named Zach Wilson this year. So hasn't been overly efficient, taking a lot of sacks, do some terrible interceptions last week. When is the win is the win? And guess what? He is an upgrade over DTR and PJ Walker at a minimum. So from that standpoint, we should be happy here. But yeah, 41st among 43 qualified QBs in EPA per drop back. He's 40th in completion percentage over expected. 30th in PFF passing grade. Just wanted to make that clear to everyone. It is more of a volume situation here than actually Joe Flacco part like you know it's 2013 again but guess what Dwayne we don't really give a shit about style points and when we're getting all this past game volume it's done wonders for one Dave Njoku and Amari Cooper so how high is too high to rank both these guys ahead of a matchup against a Houston defense that isn't the biggest I mean it's not Jacksonville level of pass funnel but when you look at them you look at them at this year man they actually rank 21st in EPA against the pass compared to seventh against the run accordingly they've allowed the seventh most passing yards through 15 weeks of action so how do you feel about Njoku and Amari Cooper this week, Dwayne. Yeah, it is a bit of a funnel situation. Um, you know, we saw Derrick Henry hardly get anything going. This is not uh, it's not your grandmother's Texans team. You know, it's a new day. But to your point, they do give up, you know, yardage through the passing game. So I do think that'll be how the Browns will attack them. And with Flacco, I agree with you. Like the NFL quarterback 
uh, lens of this, not necessarily great. Probably the wheels eventually come off, um, you know, and they're just winning by, you know, this, this, even this last game, like, it's like, okay, it could have really gone either way on them, but the yardage, the yardage has been there. And that's the biggest thing for fantasy. You know, he had the three picks last week, but he still threw the two touchdowns um, averaging almost 300 yards. I think he's like a 298 per game. And the other thing is the coaching staff, they trust him. So while it's not going great, the drop back rate over expectation, 7% now over the games with Flacco under center. Before that, it had been minus 4%. And, you know, I kind of get it. You had P.J. Walker. You had DTR under there. Um, 49% completion rate for Walker, 54% for DTR. So while the 58% from Flacco is not great, and you wonder how sustainable is this, it's an upgrade versus what we had before. So the other the other part I like about it, Ian, is Amari Cooper, like we've watched him a long time. He's not a guy that necessarily is going to be the best match with someone just back there scrambling around for their life, like a Watson or someone like that. And then, you know, just kind of owe him getting open late. Not that he can't do that, but when Amari is special is whenever he is getting that first read and he is, he's on that slant route, just creating that separation. And even, even when you do cover him well, he's still got the ability to handle that contested catch. Those are the routes that Flacco likes to throw. Flacco likes to get back, get the ball out of his hand. And yeah, it's still not the most accurate stuff, but I do think it's really good. Um, David Njoku obviously has just been an absolute monster with Flacco, 19.1 fantasy points per game with 9.3 targets. Uh, he been, he's been playing good all year, 22% target share. But now with Flacco and more passes to go around, it's been a really good thing. So to answer your question, I think it's really hard to get too high on these two guys and talk about two more DraftKings players. And Joku, I believe, is 5,300 this weekend. You got 6,400 for Amari Cooper. So those are really nice numbers. I mean, you could argue that those guys should be pri- that Amari should be close cl- priced closer to 7K. You could argue that David and Joku should be priced clo- closer to 6K, where we've got some of the top tight ends. And Flacco, only 5,500. So if you can buy into it for another week, the key is can the Texans force a shootout that makes the Browns throw the ball? And again, drop back rate over expectation is great. The Browns are throwing more, but still it's all relative to the game script. And without CJ Stroud, most likely again for another week. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like uh, case Keenum, that's a little bit of worry on the other side. So I don't know how the whole game's going to work out as far as forcing both teams to throw the ball. But I do feel really good about how well Amari Cooper and David Njoku have played with Joe Flacco. So I've got Amari in the wide receiver two range this week, and I've got David Njoku inside my top top, my top five tight ends. David Njoku over these past three weeks, he has 60.2 PPR points. Sam Laporta and Evan Ingram are above him, just, you know, between 62 and 65. No other tight ends even got more than 50 PPR points. So Njoku and these guys really are making their own tier. Yeah, it is getting ridiculous out here. I have no idea how defenses like continuously are letting Njoku like run around wide open. That guy is a freaking freak among freaks out here. And he's just still getting wide open and hurdling and stiff arming dudes. Very, very fun to watch. Chris, I mean, can't overstate how ridiculous the volume has been. 44, 45, and 44 pass attempts over the past three weeks. That is the most in the NFL by a margin of 11. So with Najoku, when I say Travis Kelsey, Sam Laporta, Trey McBride, TJ Hawkinson, I think we're starting those guys confidently over Najoku. But Chris, is there anyone else? I don't know, man. Like Kittle's got a tough matchup. It's crowded. You know, Ferguson, we've kind of seen some ups and downs recently. Evan Ingram, it doesn't look like he's going to have Trevor Lawrence. So David Najoku, are we here? Top five tight end, Chris? 
It has to be. I mean, he's averaging 9.3 targets per game with Flacco under center. I mean, if you want to talk about like just reliable volume, like for a onesie, a onesie position, one that relies primarily, almost primarily on touchdowns for fantasy production, and you're getting almost like nine targets per game with Joe Flacco, and they're not just like the dink and dunk type of targets, then yes, I mean, Ibn Joku like has to be in that like top tier of tight ends like for, for week 16. And I think like for for Flacco, I mean, to Dwayne's point, the the Cleveland offense like hasn't been and to your point as well like the Cleveland offense hasn't been like this massive juggernaut like more efficient or anything like that if anything they've been less efficient on a per play basis on a per drive basis they're actually averaging fewer yards per drive uh over the past three weeks than they were in the first 12 but it's just Joe Flacco is doing all the right things for fantasy man 334 air yards is the fewest that he's throwing in a single game that's like PJ Walker never crossed 300 uh Dorian Thompson Robinson, his max was 314. Watson actually threw for more than 334 air yards just once, and that was all the way back in week two. So it's just like if Flacco's doing all the like the stuff for fantasy that we need, so throwing the ball downfield to enable uh, like guys like Amari Cooper, David Njoku, even like Elijah Moore, who I think he leads the team in air yards as of right now with just over a 30% share. It's like if those guys now become at least uh, palatable for fantasy and DFS purposes, then hey. I mean, let the let the elite man like stay under center like for the rest of the season. I do not care. For the season, the Browns have run an average of 71.4 offensive plays per game. The Lions are in second there at 66.9. So, yeah, guess what? Having Miles Garrett and company on the other side of the football certainly helped produce even more and more opportunities for Joe Flacco and company. So, Amari Cooper is our consensus wide receiver 18 on the week, just ahead of guys like T. Higgins, Devontae Adams, Chris Olave, Devontae Smith, amongst others. So, yeah, at least we are now feeling pretty damn good about two Cleveland pass catchers. Haven't been able to say that for most of the season. Takes us to question six. Guys, Buccaneers country, let's bake. We certainly were last week, Dwayne. There has been, you know, some good performances throughout the season. I will say, you know, last week did kind of snap a bit of a skid for Baker. He had, you know, gone four consecutive games under 250 passing yards with, you know, just, and I'm, you know, using some air quotes here, just six scores. So wasn't playing terrible, but I'm just saying this isn't like we were seeing one 300 plus yard four touchdown performance after another or anything like that. What I found was interesting here, Dwayne was the fact that you know next gen stats shout out they showed just the overwhelming majority of Mayfield's you know numbers were coming against zone defenses and sure enough after digging into it a little bit he is averaging 7.6 yards per attempt on a 66 percent completion rate against primary zone coverages 5.6 yards per attempt and just a 50 percent completion rate against man heavy schemes now we start looking at the Jaguars who have run the seventh most cover three and the eighth lowest rate of cover one also have banged up cornerbacks in Tyson Campbell and free safety Andre Cisco. So Dwayne, I mean, as much as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we already talked about, that's a great matchup for opposing offenses. This Jaguars defense, man, not that far off. Like, yes, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, absolute dogs at the line of scrimmage, but if they can't get to Baker, man, sure seems like this is setting up as a sort of a matchup that could be a bit of an encore performance for him. Yeah. And I think the other real key here is Godwin, how involved he's gotten over the last two games. We've seen it all year from Mike Evans. The Godwin in week 15, or sorry, week 14, he had a 39% target share, but didn't really do much in fantasy, finishing as the wide receiver 31. But last week, they kept on going back to him a 42% target share, and he had 26 fantasy points. So Ooh. looking at Godwin, he's a player that, like, we know he's good. 
He's been in the league for too long. And he's still a young, he's still a relatively young player. It's not like this is a guy that's like over 30 years old. We know that he can ball out. So I do think there's a chance that like he gets on an, an on a you know heater here. And we know what Mike Evans can already do. And, and we've talked about this. When you have two really good weapons like that, and then you've got some some other things you're kind of sprinkling in with what Rashad White's been doing on the ground a little bit in the passing game, Kate Otten a little bit. It's not like they have another third option that's great but when you have two really good top options like godwin and evans and baker's feeling it yeah i do think there's a chance that uh they could keep that going that's what man i would just love to hear that trevor lawrence is going to play in this game you know i would just i man there's it's just so loaded with what you can do godwin evans evan ingram calvin ridley i mean it's just it's a really fun game to think i'll get about weird i'll get weird and throw kate otten out there Dwayne. i'll do it hey and no, he's cheap not? like kate otten is it yeah kate otten's a you know, we see we see that stuff all the time, you know, as the second player that you flex, you know, if you go with the double stack, just throw in the cheap tight end because you're just banking on, you know, a lot of touchdown passes when you go with, uh, you know, the cheap tight ends anyway. So you're just basically putting down a bet. Hey, Baker's going to throw three again and one's going to Kate Otten. And that's all you need to pay off his price tag. Wait, wasn't Coquife that caught one last week? Yes. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Thanks, course. Chris. Why do you have to bring the show down? <laughs> Coquife's world. We're all just living in it. Can't talk about the Buccaneers and not give a shout Chris out. Chris Asmuth Allen with the Co-Keith. <laughs> Want to give a quick shout out to Rashad White, guys. His last nine games, his PPR finishes. He finished as the RB12. 10-1, 10-12, 18, 10, 5, and 6. So truly has cemented himself as a weekly RB1. Absolute kingship from Rashad White. So Mike Evans are feeling great about. Chris Goblin has worked his way into that. Again, borderline wide receiver two discussion. How high is too high to rank Baker, though, Dwayne? Because again, a lot of people out there, hopefully you have made it to, you know, your semifinals in your fantasy league. But maybe you lost Justin Herbert. Maybe you uh, you know don't have Trevor Lawrence going for you anymore. Baker coming in right now as our consensus QB 13, Dwayne, ahead of guys like Jordan Love, Russell Wilson, Nick Mullins, and others. I mean, is that fair? Seems like it's fair. Yeah, I mean, I've got him in a tier um, with Matthew Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Jordan Love. I mean, because then you get to the next tier down, I do think it's a, it's a dip. It's you rough. got Nick Mullins. Yeah. You got Geno Smith. You could make an argument. We should maybe have Flacco in that same tier, but I mean, he's just a couple of spots off of where I have Mayfield. Then you got Russ Wilson. Um, so Jake Browning would be in the tier above, but with no Jamar Chase, you know, he gets bumped down a little this week. So I just think there's some other factors going on. You got Baker playing good and a potential matchup that we could get a shootout. Uh, again, wish we had Trevor Lawrence available for the game. And, you know, he's just feeling it. So, yeah, I think right now looking at him as a borderline quarterback one is where you got to be. You have Kyler one spot ahead of him. But, yeah, Baker versus Jordan Love. Again, Russell Wilson, T-Law, if he plays a legit It was a tough tier. Those yeah. two tiers, tier three and four for me, were really tough to rank because I really do try to put myself in a situation like if I had to pick, which one would I choose? Yeah. Which one would I choose? But, honestly, there were a lot of coin flips in this range this week where – uh you know, it's just I, I could see it going either way. So I, I think you could push Baker as high, Ian, as QB 10 this week. I know. If you wanted, you know, to be bullish on him, if you wanted to be really bearish with him, I think you could go as low as like QB 16. So he's got a range. I'm in the semis of my like OG fantasy league, like first one ever. So it's like 15 years running and I have Kyler and T-Law and Baker's just staring at me on the waiver wire, just daring me to go ahead and make that move. And I think it's like five point passing touchdowns. So 
We'll see. Dude, Baker bailed me out in the fantasy life elimination uh, or whatever we're calling You're it. You're still alive know. in that? Kudos. I'm alive in that. Nice, Josh Allen. I had Josh Allen. And, of course, he didn't even have to throw the ball last Baker week. Well, Baker's it, yeah. my QB, too. Baker baked, and I have uh, James Cook. So the James Cook narrative worked out for wow, me, even though I have Josh yeah. Allen. And then Baker went off. Has Barry been eliminated yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Dwayne, you're about to get your ass fired after you uh, eliminate Matthew. Dude, I, t- I will yeah. totally lose to Matthew. I can't do anything about it. It's best ball. That's true. But I, I, I'll come up with some sort of stat correction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Make sure you guys check out uh, Cooter Doodles NFL Combine that she got to do for her elimination punishment. Chris, did you ever do a lemonade stand? I have actually, okay. I've, okay. I've been working on it like for the past, like three weeks, uh, <laughs> since we've had like contractors in the house, I've actually been like selling. You've had lemonade. contractors come over to build a lemonade stand. For this <laughs> well, yeah, thing? like that. And then uh, like after they built it, like sold in the lemonade that they built with the lemonade stand. Oh my God. Yeah, Amazing. Make sure you guys <laughs> check out all those videos over at our MB fancy life, Twitter account. Fellas, question number seven, how high should concern really be for this Eagles passing game? Because Chris, on the one hand, you know, they've thrown for 220 or fewer yards in four of their last five games following their week 10 bye. On the other hand, I mean, you know, you face the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers and the Cowboys. Not like those are complete layup matchups either. I think the concern really got going here on Monday night. And yes, this does tend to happen in primetime games, but man, 17 points and 143 yards against the Seahawks secondary that was missing, you know, stub cornerback Devon Witherspoon. That is not good. And even the underlyings were just horrible. It hurts posting season low marks and yards per attempt and completion rate. So, hey, it's fine for Jalen Hurts because these touch pushes are becoming the just closest thing we have to a cheat code in fantasy. Like just from purely rushing yards and rushing touchdowns this season, the only guys with more fantasy points just from those rushing numbers than Hurts. Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert, Derrick Henry, David Montgomery, and Kyron Williams. Not That's bad. it. It's freaking crazy how good he's okay. doing. So he's down there, you know, Lamar Jackson, 15th and 16 in fantasy points from passing. So it's not like he's not doing anything from there. But just overall thoughts here, Chris, because Devontae Smith is starting to rise up. Dallas Goddard is back in there. We're almost getting this, like, more condensed passing and less condensed passing game, I should say. And the overall pie is shrinking. So can we really keep on trusting everyone involved? The matchup against the Giants does certainly help. Yeah, but I, I guess if it was like the shrinking portion, I guess I think that people should have expected this. This has been more of a balance to run first like type of offense throughout the season. So I think the volumetric portion of it like isn't much of a concern. That's kind of baked in. This is what you get like when you invest in the Eagles passing offense. You're going to get like deep shots like once they get like once they get to the 20 and then once they get inside the five, it's the Bradley shove, it's the tush push, whatever you want to call it. That's what you get. So schematically, structurally, like nothing has really changed about like the Eagles offense from like weeks 12 over like the last like three weeks when they've been losing. Still averaging around like 340-ish like yards per game. That's okay. I mean, even their like uh, overall like offensive success rate has been relatively the same around like 49, 48%. Even the number of red zone plays that they've run over the last like three weeks, which is around 11, is just two fewer than their seasonal average before they went into this losing streak of about like 13. So it's like, Everything has always been like everything is pretty much the same, just just scoring a few points, like to your own point, like 17 points per game, just like executing, getting the touchdowns, the things that we you know that we need for fantasy points. But if the volume is still there, AJ Brown is still leading the group over this losing streak with like 36 targets. Devonta Smith right behind him. Dallas Goddard like coming in right behind with about 13, 14 targets. That's the hierarchy that we expect. 
That's the hierarchy that we're getting. It's not like, you know, Quez Watkins is sneaking in there for like 10 plus targets or anything like that. It's not like Kenny Gainwell, while he has popped up for a few more snaps, like inside the red zone, it's not like he's completely taken over DeAndre Swift's job or anything like that. So if the volume is still going to be the same, if the opportunity and utilization for each of the key pieces that we're investing in and feel the most confident in starting for week 16 is still relatively the same, then we should approach it the same way. AJ Brown is still going to be in your lineup. Devonta Smith is still going to be in your lineup. DeAndre Swift is still going to be, Dallas Goddard is still, like yeah. the, all these guys are still going to be in your lineup. So I, it's just more about the, opportun, the opportunistic portion of the defenses that they'll face. And this week, like, like to your point, if they're facing the Giants, this is a get right game for them. So we should expect more scoring, at least better production for them in week 16. And of course, Boston Scott, the Giant Slayer himself, nine career matchups against the uh, Giants, nine touchdowns or touchdowns in every freaking game. He has more than nine touchdowns because, of course, he is an absolute king. So, no, don't start Boston Scott, but you better believe that I'm firing up that anytime touchdown ticket. Of course, yes, over sir. at DraftKings Sportsbook. But one thing I like to test out when I'm just, you know, feeling an offense like this, like, okay, should I expect them to bounce back? Should I be adjusting my expectations here? Go and look at what Vegas is doing with their lines and their totals because Lord knows that with the my of money they're dealing with you know on any given week you know certainly costs them a lot to be uh accurate or not so on the week guys the bills and the eagles are in fact implied to score a week high 28.25 points so vegas is not worried about it i am not worried about it i think the matchup is just what they need to get back over the hump but i will say since the team's week 10 by no longer has been just a complete aj brown show 28 catches 309 yards and one touchdown on 47 targets in the same span Devontae smith only four fewer targets he has four extra catches 424 yards and two scores to his name so yes please do continue to start both of them with all the confidence in the world Question number eight, guys. Where does Jaden Reed's season rank among rookie wide receivers? Dwayne, I am happy to say I remember in the offseason, Reed was one of the guys we continuously were shouting out as a prime late-round wide receiver. I do need to go back to those podcasts and edit out the part where I said Devontae Parker after Jaden Reed, but that's neither here nor there, okay? Over these past six weeks, wide receiver 12, 11, 25. Yeah, I have one does the wide receiver 50, but then wide receiver six and wide receiver 17 performances over the past two weeks. So. Originally, Dwayne, I wrote this question, you know, I was doing my work on Tuesday and Wednesday. I was hoping we could talk about, you know, Jaden Reed and just what he has ahead of him in this specific matchup here against the Panthers. Sadly, this toe injury has kept him out of practice on both Wednesday and Thursday, making him look more on the doubtful side of questionable than not potentially. So don't rule him out just yet. We'll see what happens on Friday. Make sure you check out that edition of the podcast with myself and Matthew Friedman to get the lowdown. But Dwayne, if we aren't getting Jaden Reed, who ranks six among all rookie wide receivers in your per out run maybe just maybe we get a nice bump for one Dontavian Wicks who don't look now only trails Pukunakuba, Rasheed Rice and Tank Dell in yards per out run thoughts on the other rookie wide receiver in Green Bay who's been turning some heads lately yeah Aaron Rodgers suddenly gone and the cat and you look at the Packers and they're flush you know suddenly <laughs> with all this young wide receiver talent so sorry Rodgers um yeah I I like Wicks. Um, like to answer your question first, like, you know, where does Jaden Reed like just rank among the rookie wide receivers? I think for me, it's Tank Dell number one, just because he showed like the very high end playmaking ability to go yeah. along with earning the targets. Next, you've got Puka. Who would have thought Puka, did it, Puka could ever be number two on this list after the way the season started? That just shows you how much, you know, we learn through an entire course of a fantasy season. It's not just about week one, two, and three. And Puka's been great. But already we're talking about two of the guys that didn't go in the first round. 
And the third guy on my list, we're going to talk about in a minute, but it would be Rasheed Rice. He was also not a first round pick. And then next would probably be Jordan Addison. I know Addison has to deal with the other target earners, but still, I feel like he's shown he can win inside, outside, deep, underneath. Yeah. I feel like he's shown a really broad skill set. If Jordan Addison played for a different team or didn't have to deal with two other big time target earners, um, that would matter a lot. We'll have to see what happens with Kirk Cousins this offseason. So this could yeah. this could change as far as the way we think about rest of season ranks or sorry, rankings for next year. Yeah. But then I think it's I got a tier of guys and it's JSN. It's got Reed in it. And then it's also got Zay Flowers. So these are guys that all pretty much have gotten to play the slot. They get targets more underneath. Their offense has kind of gotten creative with how they use them, get them look at the line of scrimmage, all that kind of stuff. But none of them have truly popped huge. But to your point, like 23% targets per route run for Jaden Reed, that's a really good number, even if you're playing from the slot. You know, he's at a 17% target share, despite being in a role where he doesn't get to play all the time. So when you put it all together, plus their willingness to give him a couple of carries per game in the run game and, and not just give them to him, but he actually has been coming through on those plays. Like oh, yeah. He's had some really big plays in the run game. I think there is some versatility to his game. So I think you could argue that maybe he goes as high as fourth or fifth on the list. But the bottom line is it's a really good wide receiver class. And then you mentioned, you know, Dontavian Wicks like this guy just kind of came, you know, really, I mean, out of nowhere. He was not expected to really do much on the team this year, even even though their depth chart was a little bit unsettled, but only a round five pick out of Virginia, 6'1", 206 pounds, but 20% targets per route run. So really not that far behind Jaden Reed, and he doesn't get the benefit of playing on the inside and getting as many mismatches against linebacker safeties when the other team is playing zone, mostly having to line up against the other team's number one corner. And you mentioned it a little bit in the games where – we haven't had Christian Watson, and this guy's had a bigger role. He's come through for fantasy managers just this last week with 16 fantasy points. That was the wide receiver 19 on the week. So you could have definitely done a lot worse than Dontavian Wicks and also sitting that 2.0 yards per route run, a really good number to be able to get to as a rookie. So what we'll see what happens. You know, very small sample for Dontavian Wicks. So we have to be careful with it. But uh man, I'm I'm pretty excited about this rookie class. And I mean, I thought about just doing just an article on, you know, kind of regrading the rookie class because mm. think about how much has changed from where we had. Usually, like, we're going to be wrong on things and the order is going to be a little bit off, but I can't remember a year where rookie wide receiver rankings were more turned on their head. JSM was the consensus one pretty much everywhere. Yep. And now he's number five or six on most lists. And the guys that didn't go in the first round are sitting at the top and they've played so well. It doesn't look like a fluke. It looks like these guys are probably here to stay. Yeah. I saw a uh, hilarious tweet because uh, the big storyline night, you know, I think said a few things about it before is how the Packers haven't drafted, you know, a first round skill position player since, you know, like 2004 or something like that. And it's like, why won't the Packers invest more in the wide receiver room? And that does, you know, not usually include the fact that from Jordy Nelson to Greg Jennings, like they have done a fantastic job over the years with their day two and even day three wide receivers. So shout out to Packers, a uh, beat reporter, Jacob Morley for tweeting. Imagine the seasons, Jaden Reed and Dante, and Wicks would be having if they were first round picks, which can be very true sometimes and how we uh, end up kind of uh, giving these guys their credit. So truly both Reed and Wicks are balling out. And Dwayne mentioned, you know, Reed making the most out of those carries. Uh, yeah, man, league high 10.8 yards per rush this year minimum 10 carries on the season. So no, the sample size isn't large, but again, kudos to Reed for making it happen with whatever opportunities he gets. Chris, look, Jaden Reed right now, like he's my wide receiver 24. If uh, he is going to be able to suit up, 
Dwayne yeah. and a couple other guys have him closer to wide receiver 30. So not saying, you know, he needs to be jammed in a lineups of all shapes and sizes. You guys have sent me your eight team and 10 team league questions. I understand how it can get sometimes, but let's say Reed is out, Chris. I mean, this is going to be a real nice bump for Dontavian Wicks. Personally, I think it gets him into kind of the top 36 out to position. But once we start looking at Wicks versus guys like Adam Thielen, Noah Brown, you know, Brandon Cooks, Jacoby Myers, am I being a little too optimistic there? Or do you think that is kind of where he should settle down? No, I think that's where he should settle down. And to Dwayne's point, like with his uh, target uh, target share and also to your point about the rushing attempts, I mean, that's about where I think he should settle. I mean, Jordan Love over the past, I think like three or four weeks now, we've seen his passing A dot actually start to decline. Uh, we see like, you know, Matt LaFour wanted to put like a little bit more of the reins on, you know, Love like dropping back and being as not as aggressive as he has uh, in the earlier parts of the season. So if he is throwing like those shorter area targets, allowing guys like Reed, Wicks, uh, even was it like Malik Heath and like some of those guys to really try and eat after the catch, then yes, I think like a guy like Jaden Reed like, is primed for a potential spot like this. I mean, 24.7% uh, like targets per route run rate, like since uh, their week six by week seven by if I'm remembering right. I mean, that is like, I mean, fairly solid, like for a wide receiver, especially given the fact that, I mean, he does run over 60% of his routes from the slot. We get that. I mean, the mismatches he's going to see, but with that type of volume and what he's been able to do after the catch as well, also getting involved in the rushing game. Yeah. Like Reed has been like one of the, like the better finds, like from this wide receiver class, like to Dwayne's point, I mean, outside of the, I mean, the, the top end guys that we talked about, but yeah, like I'm really looking forward to see like what he's going to develop into over like the back end of this season. And then also like once into 2024, because we have seen him actually start to move out to the outside a bit more over the past few weeks. Speaking of rookie wide receivers, impressing takes us to question number nine, guys. How high is too high to rank Chiefs wide receiver Rasheed Rice on an absolute heater of late? Came back from the bye week in week 11. Okay, you know, ho-hum wide receiver 38 finish. But after that, guys, third, 22nd, 7th, and 8th most productive wide receiver from weeks 12 through 15. You add it all together and only Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, and CeeDee Lamb have more PPR points than Rice over the past five weeks of action. So, Dwayne, it's not coming with like this full on like usual wide receiver one role. It really is more of the gadget variety. I mean, so we're still talking about a 4.8 yard average target depth on the season. That's the second lowest at the position, only ahead of Juan Dale Robinson. But hey, you know what? Gadget usage is fine. It actually just, you know, kind of cements, especially in full PPR. They're easier, you know, completions to get going, especially when you got Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. So honestly, I don't give a shit if the usage is more gadgety than not, as long as it has a full-time role and Dwayne recently he's gotten that full-time role and accordingly you have him ranked as the wide receiver 12 this week I mean I'll list the guys ahead real quick because it's not going to take that long CD AJB Tyreek Justin Jefferson the Sun God Mike Evans Cooper Cup Stefan Diggs DJ Moore and Debo Samuel that's all we're starting over Rasheed Rice Dwayne we're here wide receiver one right yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how to keep Rasheed Rice out of the top 12 at this point. I mean, he's already been that in a fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. Since he's broken through the 65% route participation threshold, like the guy's averaging 20.8 fantasy points. So I, I don't know how you you know can keep him out of the top 12, especially 
acknowledging that now a 93% route participation last weekend, the weekend before, 82%. So he's reached this new level. We've got Sky Moore now on the IR. Yeah, we're going to see a little bit more of you know some of the other guys that they'll try to work in. But I think Rice at this point has earned that role. And to your point, Ian, I'm not that worried about the average depth of target. It uh, is a full-time role, to your point. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got a pass-first offense. And they have to feed Rice. They just, outside of Kelsey, we've talked about this. No one else has been on a show that they're capable of earning targets. Maybe we see something with Justin Ross. Maybe we see one of these other guys step up down the stretch, but they're going to have to prove that. Right now, look how long it took for Rice to get to where he is. Now, once he got there, it happened quickly. In the last four weeks, this has gone from a guy that we would list as a boom-bust wide receiver four to now being a must-start wide receiver <laughs> one, so things can happen quickly. But if we look at the, the course of the year, and just how we've really been waiting two years, Ian, yep. for a wide receiver or a receiving option outside of Travis Kelsey on this team. Two years we've been waiting for someone to step up. That's how long it took for something like this to happen. So I don't think Rasheed Rice is going to let go of it, and I think it's going to be hard for someone else to, to step in and be a big enough factor to knock him down the pecking order or start stealing his target. So I look for this to continue. I've got him, like you said, as a low-end wide receiver one this weekend. Shout out to Rice for just, you know, making the most out of these opportunities as well throughout the year. Only Puka Nakua among rookie wide receivers is averaging more yards per hour run. And the Yak especially, man, you know, ESPN has some cool new analytics that they've been doing with their receiver scores. And the only guys that they give a better Yak rating to, Debo Samuel, Noah Brown, Nico Collins. I mean, that is literally it. We're talking about number four right now. And just based on my eye test, you know, we could probably bump Noah Brown out of there. All due respect. So top three, if you want to go down that road. Guys, it takes us to the much anticipated final question sponsored by the fine folks at DraftKings. Chris, we are getting back to your wheelhouse, man. What is your bold DraftKings prediction for week 16? Chris, take it away. So, I mean, what was it? What did I call last week? Uh, Demarcus Robinson being one of the guys that you need. And lo and behold, winds up catching a touchdown, even though I said that the caveat was that if Tyler Higby didn't go, but it still worked out. It didn't matter. Uh, I'll take results over process any day. Uh, but for this week, uh, like I, I always like trying to go to the the cheaper end of things. And I do like Jonathan Mingo sitting in at like, what, 3,600 this week Ooh. on DraftKings. I'll save the the, the high-end guys for, for you guys. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan Mingo at 3,600 uh, for over the last six games, averaging over like seven targets per game, uh, going up against this Packers defense that just got ripped up by Baker Mayfield. Uh, so, like, if this is going to be a matchup where at least the volume is going to be there, especially in a PPR standpoint, at 3,600, Jonathan Mingo, as I would say, he's one of the better plays, like, under 4K for me. Good stuff there. I appreciate you always, you know, going off on a limb, Chris. I think Dwayne came in here the first time and said, like, most servers going to have a good game. You've been doing better, Dwayne, okay? But I'm just trying to give Chris a little <laughs> bit of love there. I'm going to go with Drake London getting back on track in a major way with one Taylor Heineke under center. Give me seven catches for 115 yards and a touchdown and a potential sneaky shootout here game between the Falcons and the Colts. No mother nature to worry about, obviously. And, like, let's not forget, guys, as bad as the dud was in week 15, only three targets, 
you know, two catches for 24 yards. I mean, that week 14 performance, like for all the Drake London truthers out there, and he should be truthy. The dude's freaking great at football, just incredible performance. And, you know, equally disincredible performance by Arthur Smith to only give him three freaking targets after one of the best games we've seen a wide receiver have all season. So, yeah, just kind of betting on the talent, hopefully having a boom, because Lord knows we have seen too many busts at this point. And when you do look at some of the charts, I'll tweet out weekly my mismatch manifesto. It does look like Taylor Heineke has the best, you know, combined advantage of the week in terms of pressure rate allowed versus the pressure rate he will be facing from the pass rush. So give me Drake London blowing up, sitting there at just 5,100 on DraftKings. Like, I get it, you know, with the volume, with the offense he's in. I'm not saying he should be ranked that much higher, but, you know, you do start seeing guys like a Jaden Reed, a Romeo Dobbs, Tyler Lockett, Josh Downs, maybe taking away a little more of that ownership priced a few hundred or more. I do think Drake London offers plenty of boom upside here in this spot. Dwayne, close us out, my friend. Man, I just love this slate, like overall for, you know, Sunday. I'm going to lose a lot of money on it. I am pumped. Same. I'm all in. This is this this will be the slate I'm playing more than any other this year. I play DFS pretty much every weekend, but like I base it on like how I'm feeling, you know, on on like how things are lining up. And I just Five, absolutely maybe. love how it's setting up. I mean, I'll give you a play, but I'm just gonna list like the guys here. You got Amari Cooper in this role we've talked about at 6,400, Ridley at 6,300, Godwin yeah. at 6,200, DeAndre Hopkins putting up air yards basically like these other guys, but we're not, we haven't talked about him because we've talked about him all season long. We'll see what happens is it's more than likely going to looking like Tannehill this weekend, but D hop at 6,100. You've got Garrett Wilson playing the freaking Washington commanders who are terrible at 5,800. Yeah. We've got quarterback issues, but you know, he's probably going to get eight to 10 targets. And then you have the tight ends McBride at 5,700 Ingram at 5,400 and Joku at 5,300. You can play any one of those guys in the flex. These guys are getting eight to 10 targets per game. There are so many options that you have. You can go cheap at quarterback because we have a lot of the superstars out. So if you can basically avoid a huge game from Dak or Tua or maybe even a Jared Goff, you're fine to go price down at quarterback. So I think there's just a lot of ways to get creative uh, and you can build a lineup where you don't have a ton of huge salary guys, but you still have a big, big, big ceiling on all of these. I think you called Amari last weekend, Ian. So it didn't did quite happen. It was. Was it two weeks ago or last weekend? But I think we double double down on Amari. I was going Ridley all the way, but now this Trevor Lawrence thing has me a little worried. So if if Trevor Lawrence is out there, Ridley, I'm going to call it for 140 and two touchdowns. But instead, I'll just go with Amari for 120 and two, meaning you should just have both of these guys on a lot of lineups. Love that call, Dwayne. And yeah, we didn't quite get the second touchdown last week. So I think that's very fair to go ahead and add that one on. We did get the one touchdown. I know I said a lot of not great things about Flacco, but my God, that touchdown he did throw to Amari between like three defenders. That was a true big time throw from Mr. Elite. And real quick, yeah. the, the running backs this week, you've got so many price down options. You've got Chuba Hubbard at 5,700, probably won't even get used a ton. Because just below that, you've got Ty Chandler at 5,600. And below that, you've got Devin Singletary, who has been three out of the four last weeks, the lead back for the Texans. He's at 5,500. So, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of goodness on this slate. So it's going to be a fun one. 
going to be a fun one, especially if we can get those fantasy teams one more win and get us to championship Sunday. So yeah, great job, fellas. Great job to you listening right now because presumably you still have something to play for, hopefully not avoiding those last place punishments. But you know what? We do not judge over here and just get those rosters in the best shape possible, regardless of what you are still playing for here in week 16. So best of luck, best of luck, everyone. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and you know, just have a fun weekend watching ball and hopefully enjoying the time with family and friends so for producer james for Dwayne, for chris i'm ian thanks again for tuning in to the fantasy life podcast and until next time take care everybody